Hey, friends. Oh, hello. What are you doing on May 20th? I don't know. Like prom, maybe? Ooh, who's doing your hair? I'm myself. It's bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you find somebody to do your hair, yes. do your nails, yes. and do your makeup, then head on over yes. to Heritage Square, yes. guys. Because on May 20th, Hollywood Paranormal is teaming up with Ellie Meekly and our friends over at Ellie Not So Confidential yes. for a huge podcast event that we're going to call McCall. Pop Mansions and Haunted History. Yes, the crossover event that Marvel could only dream of. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, get this. The event is going to be held in a haunted location. Yes. Filled with possibly haunted mansions. Okay, we're going to be talking about mansions, talking about the history of these mansions, and then talking about their ghosts. Yeah, in the place that they are. Yes, exactly. On location. (laughs) Deep investigative reporting. So this event is going to be on May 20th. Yes. It starts at 7 and it ends at 10 p.m. So there'll be an hour of a meet and greet, followed by our presentations that'll go on for an hour and a Mm -hmm. half. And then get this. You ready for the finale? I'm ready. There's going to be... A ghost tour. Yes. Oh, yes. You'll Y'all do. Y'all can see me scream in real life. <laughs> exactly. I'm very cowardly. <laughs> and an old haunted mansion. Amazing. So the thing with Heritage Square, guys, this is a phenomenal location. It's like an outdoor museum. It's beautiful. Filled with these old Queen Anne Victorians that have been rescued around L.A. Yes. Like these were near death, near demolition. Yes. And the city of L.A. was like, nay, you're going to make it a big museum. And really, it is one of the very few few places in LA that like have been saved for historical significance. Mm -hmm. LA is notoriously if you've ever heard us talk about it notoriously not good at preserving our history (laughs) and so this is like a really special place. Not only yes it's haunted, the history the location, we've got it all Yeah, we have everything guys $30 for the entry Yes, You'll be given water snacks a tour And you'll be able to walk on the property, see the houses, take pictures. We'll do our presentation. You'll hear some ghost stories. And you might possibly see some ghosts on your tour. Yeah. Which is really amazing. Me, sheet white in terror. So that's (laughs) honestly worth the price of the ticket right there. So head on over to Eventbrite. If you type in Macabre Mansions and Haunted History, it'll take you to the link. And there you can purchase your tickets, read more information about it. Um, We hope to see you there. Come and hang out with us in the Haunted Mansions. That sounds fun. I'm canceling prom for this. Oh, oh, you are? (laughs) Yep. today's episode of Holly Weird Paranormal Podcast. Bryce and myself get very Holly Weird with all of you as we share some pretty interesting Hollywood ghost stories that involve some pretty amazing Hollywood ghosts. We talk about two individuals in the city of Los Angeles who claim to have been visited by the ghost of Mae West and another one who was visited by the ghost of Montgomery Cliff. Join us as we talk more about these Hollywood stars' personal life and career in Hollywood and quite possibly their afterlife. What is the impact and influence they've had on these two individuals that they haunted? You'll never believe these stories and these accounts because they definitely get... Holly Weird. 
Mae West once quoted, you only live life once, but if you do it right, once is enough. But what if it wasn't enough for both Monty and Mae West? What if they're living the most out of their afterlife? Okay, so we know that you know the drill, but we're gonna change it a little differently. Instead of sprinkling that circle of salt, we're definitely going to grab our feather boa and wrap it around our neck and grab our nine inch platform shoes in honor of Mae West and maybe grab a couple of books of poetry and prose in honor of Monty Clift because we're going to get Holly weird with the ghosts of Mae West and Montgomery Clift. Because in Hollywood, it seems, like anything is possible, even if you're a ghost. If you like true crime, dark history, the haunted and paranormal, then we think you'll like Ghost Town. Ghost Town is hosted by me, Rebecca Lieb. And me, Jason Horton. We cover both notorious and obscure true crimes, the haunted, paranormal, and unexplained, and the dark history of everything from world events to pop culture. There are new episodes of Ghost Town every Wednesday and Friday. Find out for yourself what Vulture.com called essential listening and one listener called a total waste of time. So pause the podcast you're listening to right now. And go subscribe to Ghost Town for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And at ghosttownpod.com. Hey, friends. Oh, hello. It's been a while. It's been a little while. It's been a bit. Yeah. It's, a, it's been a bit of a crazy month of April and leading into May. Look, it's been raining like cats and dogs <laughs> in L.A. And uh, Angelinos don't know what to do. We, we cannot be held responsible. We can't drive. We've been we feral. can't walk. We don't know how to think yeah, in Los out. Angeles when it drizzles. We barely do anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a, a very busy past couple of weeks. It has been. It's been very weird. Let's do a rewind. So oh, what, God, yeah. what have we been up to? What haven't we been up to? <laughs> I just want to let me just start right now. We're doing our Mae West episode. Oh Prepare God. for bad Mae West impersonations. <laughs> the entirety of the episode, you're welcome in advance. Uh, what haven't we been up to? Is that a pistol in your pocket? Yeah, or just happened? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, already canceled. Like, no, you no. You're getting water earlier. You're like starting your strut, your Mae yeah, West. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> it took me 45 minutes just to get to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing? Strutting. I'm strutting. Thank you. We, we just did Parapod Festival, yes. Wasn't that exciting? So crazy. It was like the craziest crossover of so many different kinds of like, right, when you say paranormal, that means so many different things to so yeah. many different people. And we're just like one little slice of the pie. And we've been so lucky to meet other slices of the pie that are so talented and so insightful and so welcoming yeah. to us. So to get to go to a conference that sort of celebrates the whole pie if you'll go exactly. with me on this metaphor it was really cool some of the things like i'm not gonna lie some of the things i was like i don't know what that is i don't know what that is that what seems crazy to me Ch- chakras and cryptids. the laser guy there was like a man with like a laser pen like a cat it was a whole thing but like that is sort of the joy of it of like yeah. things that we understood things that we didn't people we knew new friends like it was so fun it really they was. did such a good job we teamed up with LA Not So Confidential yes, to I... do a presentation at Parapod Fest. Mm-hmm. We led a panel on the history and the ghosts of the Barclay Hotel. Yeah, it was that really old place. early. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the lineup. We were um we had the panel on Saturday. Everybody had their panels. Mm-hmm. 
And um, the day before was the ghost hunt mm-hmm. at Mentryville, which was really, really cool because not a lot of conferences do this. No, yeah. And it worked out so well because it's in Santa Clarita, mm-hmm. which is like way out there. Like it's LA adjacent. In yeah. my opinion. <laughs> but it was perfect because there's this little ghost town attached to this little, you know, suburb of Santa Clarita. And then the following day we had the conference yeah. and then we had the panel starting at 8. 8 a.m. I think. Yeah. And ours is at 9 a.m. And we're like, oh god, are we gonna be, are we gonna be awake? Yeah. It was. It was I wasn't even on the ghost hunt. I was so like, I'm gonna need a little bit more coffee. <laughs> right. <Thank you>. Mm. <laughs> but the turnout was really. Yeah, great. it was amazing, and the the audience was like right there with us, and the yeah. questions were so. Of course, their questions were so like well thought out because that's much. the that is the audience for yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. We got to see and meet our friends Patty Nagri. Oh, Patty, I know. It was so good to see Stephane her. Stefan Bergatti yeah. and Mystic Dylan of Old World yes. Emporium. A shout out to Paul Hi. from Ghostwatch Paranormal, and so much more. I mean, there were so many amazing people like talking about aliens cryptids chakra psychical research yeah. um, it was just so amazing and jojo on the radio was there yes i know so doing crazy. a panel so it was really really cool and they are going to be planning their other one for the next year so hopefully it's we so are exciting back. yeah i actually have i don't think i've even told you this i actually have my own personal ghost story from what? the parapod yes wait what happened i was there on a slightly nefarious gay dating app and this guy who had ghosted me the day before <laughs> was at Parapod. I will not stop because he was like, it was, uh, it was Grinder. let's just call a spade a spade. And I don't know how familiar you are, but it will tell you like how close people are, like if they have, yes. and it was like 200 feet away and I was like, are you at the fucking Parapod Festival? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, me too, motherfucker. <laughs> So that was my ghost story. Ghosted, and then lo and behold, I was like, mm, great to see you. So nice to see you. Yeah. Look at me. Believing Haunted in ghosts. By the ghosts of Grinders mm-hmm. Pass. Mm-hmm. I love this. It was, I literally like opened it and I was like, oh, that little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Whatever. I got a certificate from the city. So like we, we are did. official. We are. So it was really sweet. Tony Sweet, who headlined uh, incredible. and organized Parapod Fest, was by far one of the most so helpful. So collaborative. Helpful, collaborative and the sweetest yeah. person. To re- he created this event to recognize people in this industry who do podcasting, yeah. who do television, everything. And he wanted to put them in this like one little, con- it was just perfect. Yeah. It was so well organized. I'm sure they had hiccups, but of course there's always, but for the first offering, like it was it's only going to get better. Smooth, yeah, wasn't it was crazy. Like we didn't have any issues with our table. Like it, were, it was just so great. Yeah. And I remember on Twitter, people were like, there's this thread that was going around. Like, is there anything in California? I'm like, yeah, there's Parapod in Southern California that just passed. Yeah. And but guess it's what? it's such a needed yeah, market. It is. Because the biggest one is in uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's the Michigan Par- uh, Paracon. Oh, and sure. Yeah. That one's a bit of a bastard to get to because you yeah. have to fly to Detroit. Right. And where it's held, it's five hours from like a major city. Huh. So you have to fly into Detroit, rent a car wow. and drive. Five hours. Which is like, <laughs> like, look, Santa Clarita is not downtown LA, no. but in terms of accessibility and like price point, like right. I, not everyone can afford to rent a car. You right. know what I mean? Like not everyone can fly to California either. I'm not trying to say like, it's so much cheaper, mm-hmm. but that's such a strange, like, 
it, it's very interesting. Huh. It's, it's, I'm like, what? Cause I was thinking about going. Yeah. Cause our friends from what's up weirdo podcast, oh, Johnny L. Tenney and Jessica Natpick are going to be doing a panel too. Nice. And that's huge. And I wanted to go support them. And I was like, Wait, so I have to rent. <laughs> you want me to drive a car? No. <laughs> Which I'm doing anyways, because I'm going to Louisville. I'm going to go see them for Strange Escapes. Oh, fun. I'm going to be um, going to Louisville, Kentucky in May to also tour and investigate Waverly yes. Hills Sanatorium. I hate to sound like a baby, but uh, it, will cha- it will sound cheesy, but I will get very emotional when I see it really? in person because it's Aww. it's 15 years in the making. Mm. I've been researching this place and seeing it on documentaries yeah. and shows and to see it in person is going to be a little emotional for yeah, me. Yeah, hell yeah, it is emotional. Yeah, there's um the chica from Ghoul Guide. She did a video about it too. How she this was her first place that she investigated wow. and going back. She the was big like first place. Yeah, oh I was God. like, damn, like bow down to you, girl. Yeah. Um, but she did a second video of her return to Aww. it, and she was very emotional. I was like, I feel you. Yeah, I feel totally. you. Like I understand. I'm gonna see it, and I'm, I feel like I'm gonna go through the same motions. But I think that that is something we've talked about it so often, where like the hollywoodization mm-hmm. uh of this industry is that it does kind of remove the emotional side of it and at yeah. its core it is an emotional experience it is the way you are feeling in the moment and the experience that you are having with whatever is out there whatever that means to you personally could be any number of things, right? I'm not here to tell you, like, it's this. But it is very personal. It is very emotional. So, yeah. like, And unfortunately, that doesn't always sell great television. So sometimes that's what gets edited out. Yeah. Because we want to see full body apparitions. Like, I get it. We want to see the diamond. The yeah. Diamond. And they're making a show. Like, yeah, first and foremost, they are making a show to entertain you. Right. But it really is. It is emotional. It is yeah. personal. It's personal. There's a lot of history. Yeah. There's a lot of tragedy. Mm. And I mean, some of those parts do get shared to a certain extent. Yeah. 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 I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to shit on anybody. But. No. Please don't shit on me. Uh, <laughs> I won't. Oh. Nate West, get out of here. <laughs> We've been bantering. Uh, I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Banter. I have a knower. I've seen it in the reviews. Yeah. Banter's too much. Get to the point. I don't care. Fair enough. <laughs> Look, Look, we haven't been behind the mics for a while. We've been, well, technically for the convention yeah. and other things. And then, of course, like in May, on May 20th, guys, as we presented, we're yes. going to be in Heritage Square. You can hear us banter live and there yell at us from the audience. Go. Throw so your tomatoes live. If you those tickets, please do so. Yes. It's going to be really fun. Like, this is a place where I worked at for a film and yeah. I had other paranormal things happen to me. I've seen it happen to other people. Corey, who is the um, director of Heritage Square, have had has had a lot of things happen to mm. her and... It's going to be great. That's so exciting. Yeah. So it's going to be us, our friends, Ellie Meekly, Ellie Not So Confidential. And then, of course, you'll have a ghost tour of the mansions, which would be nice. So, yes. Hang out with us and the ghosts. And the ghosts. (laughs) Bryce is like me Mm. wanting to do an Irish goodbye. I'm very good at those. I'm so good at those. Oh, let me tell you. I just saw this thing. That's so random. I saw this thing that was like people who Irish goodbye save up to two years at the end of their life. And I was like, yeah, that's two years of my life that I need to sleep. I Thank agree. God. I agree. I, I used to do that too in I university. Love them. Oh I, God. I would have friends who are like, Oh, I'll just stay the night or Hey, stay for another drink. I'm like, no, I really would like to go home, wash my face, drink some water and get into bed. In this very room that we are currently recording, <laughs> I have Irish goodbye when this was my bedroom Really? from my own birthday party that was being <laughs> held at this house. <laughs> 
Let me tell you how much I love Irish goodbyes. I Irish goodbye my own birthday party into this very room, which is, as you can attest, this is a very central room in the house. Like, I am in the middle of the... I was like, no, nay, nay. I could just see you, oh. like, <laughs> like shashing into oh, this room. Did not even... Not a single person. Like, nay. Nice girl song playing goodbye. Locked my door. Nay, nay. Yeah. <laughs> I love an Irish goodbye. It is the only way. You're on your own. Oh, at my own birthday party in my own house. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Oh, don't. Will I ever apologize for it? Never. No, it was my birthday. It was, my, <laughs> it was my gift to everybody. It was my gift to myself, <laughs> frankly, yes. Well, talking about ghosting, mm. let's talk about some very famous ghosts yes. that haunted some people that were not expecting that haunting. Fair. <laughs> Who is? Fair. One of them possibly did an Irish goodbye on one of them. We love it. It's like the epitome of being ghosted by a ghost. Uh, so that's the dream. So there's two ghosts that we're going to be talking about on today's episode. The one, the only, mother flipping, May, May West. West. God love her. Yes. I have sat on more laps than a napkin. Oh my God. May West. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, it's so funny because I, when I first moved here, a young freshly Midwest baby <laughs> came here. And there's, if you're familiar with the Hollywood walk of fame at the beginning of the walk of fame, yes. there is the silver arches with the four sirens of film, uh-huh. uh, Marilyn being one of them. And Mae West is one of them. And I was like, who the fuck is Mae West? <laughs> no. But like, I was so sheltered. My parents would never have let us oh, watch watched any of her film. Two. Even from the thirties. Yeah. Ooh. It was a very like, but again, because she was so body and she was so self-possessed and she was so in control of her power. Fuck no. We were no. not. Absolutely Man, not. yeah. So I had no idea who she was. And then, you know, obviously being exposed to her work much later in my life and just the icon that she is. Yeah. And like, yeah, like there is an element that like she was eclipsed by people who came after her because she truly was like the trailblazer of that genre. Absolutely. We'll go into but, like, that. Goddamn. She's the one she is. Ugh. That is a boss. Yeah. With a capital B like yeah. boss. And we'll go into the many things that she yes. had done and accomplished and left behind. And then of course we're going to hit it off with, Montgomery Cliff. That all sounds so swoon. Yes. So we mentioned this during our Misfits episode that there was a gentleman by the name of Craig Chester, Mm. who is a writer, producer, and director based out of Hollywood. He had written for True Blood. Mm. He had directed and written for um, several films, Mm. primarily gay films. So Mm. he's an openly gay actor, writer, director who had an experience with this past you know, closeted gay actor, Mm -hmm. Montgomery Cliff, and how their lives somewhat paralleled damn and why montgomery chose chester to fulfill something for him that he was never able to fulfill so we'll go into that story too and it's so interesting and it's so sad but it's Mm. so bittersweet and it's it's a great story to listen to we'll give you the links and actually add them to our show notes where you can listen to his interviews of his encounter with these psychics and Montgomery Cliff. Damn. Yeah, it's so great. So let's go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, come on. Throw me in the back seat sometime. <laughs> let's get into it with May. Yes. Flipping West. All right, guys. So you know how we do. In order to begin, we're going to go all the way back. We're going to hit some bullet points sure, yeah. before we hit the May West ghost. This <laughs> buxom ghost. So May was actually born Mary Jane West. On August the 17th, 1893, in Brooklyn, New York. So 
She's a Brooklyn chick. We love to see it. Yeah, so West made her debut on uh, the Brooklyn Stock Company about 1901, and by 1907, she had become like a very popular performer on the National Vaudeville Circuit Mm. in partnership with Frank Wallace. So she made her Broadway debut as a singer and acrobatic dancer in the review a la Broadway in 1911. And for the next 15 years, she alternated between vaudeville and Broadway shows, and she did an, you know, an occasional nightclub act. Sure. So she was a singer, dancer, writer, All of it. All of it. Like, she was literally the definition of a Swiss army knife in this industry. So in 1926, Wes began to write, produce, and star in her own plays, because that's how you do it. You have to. That's how Mindy Kalid does it. That's how Mae West did it, you know? So in uh, the first of these uh, Broadway productions, of course, the first one is Sex. Uh, Sure. Of course. (laughs) What else would it be? Come on. Sex, written and produced in 1926, her performance as a prostitute created a sensation, (laughs) but also Mm -hmm. earned her an eight-day jail sentence for corrupting the morals of youth. Oh, my God. That is the dream. To write something (laughs) and perform something that gets you arrested. Ugh. That's how you know. Like, guys, it's 1920s, right? Well, right. That's the thing. (laughs) Take a swig of the liquor. (laughs) People love to pretend like, oh, we want to go back to like the good old days where like we had morals. No, no. Come on now. But that's so amazing. Like, I'm going to write a sexy play. Guess what I'm going to call it? Yeah. Like, look, obviously I want a Tony. (laughs) Give me a Tony. But after you give me a Tony, arrest me for eight days for something that I do. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. What a fucking compliment. (laughs) Exactly. So... She was jailed for corrupting the morals of the youth Good from for which she emerged as a national figure. Hell yeah. So out of this, she became famous. Yeah. That's just how it works. Paramount Studios convinced West to finally make her first foray in emotion pictures in 1932. So she ends up leaving New York and she heads west. So mm. West heads west. Yeah. She quipped upon her arrival in Hollywood. Her first film there in Hollywood is Night After Night in 1932. Mm. Showed the lighthearted approach that was characteristic of her subsequent pictures. She Done Him Wrong was another famous yes. one in 1933. A screen adaptation of Diamond Lil is memorable for her amusing ability to charge such lines as, get this, why don't you come up sometime and see me? That's the big one. Yes, that was the... That's the one. Yeah. That was the one that everybody was saying. Come up and see me sometime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I will. So this line definitely had some suggestive uh, sexual implications. But this was looked down upon by some uh, for its sexual suggestions. And she becomes this massive target... Mm-hmm. Once again, of the censorship, police, and conservative religious groups. Uh, And this goes on. (laughs) This goes on for many decades. But the film She Done Him Wrong was the screenplay that actually pulled Paramount out of the bankruptcy pot. Yeah. So they were suffering. Yeah. She comes in. She presents this film. They're like, let's try it. Mm -hmm. It blows up. They're saved. Damn. So she saves Paramount Pictures. Wow. By 1935, she is like the highest paid actress in the Paramount lot. Out of all the men, she's making like more money than a lot of the executives and directors, which is crazy. Yeah. Another thing about our grand dame, Mae West, um, she also discovers 
Cary Grant. According to Vanity Fair, uh, West also got her desired leading man for She Done Him Wrong in 1933. And according to May, I saw a sensational looking young man walking along the studio street, she writes. He was the best thing I'd seen out there. Who's that, I asked. Kaufman recognized him. Cary Grant, he said. He'll do for my leading man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says. Jesus. And Kaufman protested. He hasn't made a picture yet. Only tests. We'll call him over. If he can talk, then I'll take him. And the rest is history. Jesus. This is the thing. The Let's be very clear. The studio system was deeply problematic and severely abusive. But, and this is the but. <laughs> There is such a weirdly romanticized way that Hollywood was during the studio era of filmmaking Mm -hmm. that this could happen. Like this idea of like someone seeing you and like you get discovered. Technically, yes, it could still happen. Very rare. Not like this. We live in such a social media age. Someone could see your social media and you could get discovered in theory. Oh, yeah. Or you could gain enough followers that they might start putting you in things. But this idea that like you're just walking down the street and like someone sees you and it just happens to be the right person. That is such a romantic, like old Hollywood, excuse me, like journey that we've sort of lost. And again, no one's advocating for the studio system. They were horrible, but like, Oh, I love that story so much. I don't know if you remember when we worked at that acting school in Mm -hmm. Hollywood, we, there was that one. Oh God. There was that one student who, didn't want to show up to his class. You, I know you remember him. I'm not going to say his name. Wait, can you say it? And we just edit it out. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> was it, was it Martin? I think so. He was so good looking. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> All right, I will. We just edited it out. <laughs> beep boop, beep boop. Boop, boop, boop. But I re- I'll never forget, like, um, I think it was myself and one of the instructors who were talking and she was like. I can't believe him. I'm like, what? He's been barely showing up to class. And when I finally had a talk with him, I was like, you know, if you want to be taken seriously as an actor, you have to be really responsible. You have to show up. You just have to show up, show up for your auditions, mm-hmm. show up. He's like, well, I really don't have to show up because all I have to do is just walk down the street. And I know, I know if I walk down Melrose, if I walk down Fairfax, if I walk down Sunset, I will be discovered. And he's still, still walking. Hasn't- <laughs> No, like, here's the thing. The most unrealistic part in La La Land Mm -hmm. is not them dancing during the traffic stop. Like, I've seen that happen. (laughs) It is that an agent goes to her one woman show. That does not. That has never happened in the history of modern Hollywood. Period. On God, I will swear to that. (laughs) No one. Because they don't have to anymore. A hundred thousand people show up to L.A. every single day. Like, it's ridiculous. Right. Nobody is going to discover you in that way and like look i can already hear people being like what about there will always be an exception mm-hmm. that is not going to happen because here's the thing the realty is that your grocer your banker the fucking traffic cop at burbank airport is the most beautiful person you've ever seen in your entire life and they're not getting discovered like yeah it doesn't matter. There's a million people here who all look more beautiful than you can possibly imagine. This world, yeah. it doesn't exist. And look, I can already hear it. Like, your grapes are sour. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure they fucking are. But it's just not that It's just not it's, that Hollywood anymore. It's not. It is, I mean, that was a thing of the golden age now, yeah. you know? It's, it's like you said, it's all social media. Yeah. 
I, who was it? The Buffy star, the guy um, that played Angel. Oh, uh, David Boreanaz. Yeah, he, I think he was the last story I heard of, like him just being discovered on the street. Damn. He was just, I think it was off of Melrose. Well, like he, he was just very good looking. So yeah, I, no, he really is a good looking man. Look, I'm not saying it can't happen. It definitely yeah. could in theory. Uh, it's like, just a product yeah. of a bygone era. It, it, there you go. When every audition that you get, mm-hmm. and I'm not exaggerating, every audition that you get is asking excuse me, what like your social media following is, mm-hmm. that is the way. And like for better or for worse, that is where we are at. I'm yeah. not saying that it can't happen, but I it's love the- this story about Mae West. <laughs> Good for her. Get what you want, but girl. But it's funny because Mae West was not discovered that way. No, her discovering. Carried, yeah. yeah. She's the one discovering people. Good for her. Right? Like, like boss, boss energy right Get there. Get your man. Because she really worked hard mm. for where she, like where she is, well, was at that time. Yeah. So, of course, like by 1935, as I mentioned, she's making more money than everybody on Love that it. lot. Um, but what was very interesting, too, about May is that she didn't fit the typical Hollywood actress mold. Like mm. she was very risque, but she was very curvy. Like mm-hmm. she was, in my opinion, like she's petite. Yeah. But I'm sure to, to like to the 90s or early 2000s standards. Sure. Well, she's just a little heavy. Uh, uh, <laughs> but she windmill punches. No windmill. But she um she was an hourglass figure. Yeah, she totally. she was very bosomy, but she was really tiny. She she's was only five feet tall. She was five feet tall. And um, if you research her shoes, <laughs> she had these special platform shoes. They were eight to nine inches. Hall. Oh my god. It, they were huge to give her height so she could be, you know, just as tall as her, sure. you know, counterparts. But it hindered her walk. That's how her strut was created. Iconic. Because the shoes were pretty heavy and she had a difficult time kind of like walking normally. She would kind of like slide her feet one after the other, one in front of the other, mm. and kind of just sashayed her hips. Amazing. So if you see her in any of these films, notice the way she walks. Yeah, it is so signature. It is a very signature walk. She walks leading her hips. She didn't sissy that walk. She created it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the reason why she strutted that way. It wasn't just something that she came up with on a whim. Like, no, she just like made it her own, made it work. Had to. So she continues to produce and star in many more films from the 30s 40s and 50s and she's still very much relevant like she hasn't died out so later on we're going to jump ahead to the 60s um she appears on the front cover of the beatles 1967 album of sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club and when approached for permission to appear on the cover west initially refused and asked what would i be doing in a lonely hearts club <laughs> okay, well, that must be nice to have that level of confidence, girl. On God, exactly. So she ends up changing her mind after the band wrote her a very personable and fleeting letter, declaring themselves great fans of hers. Aww. And after a 27-year absence from motion pictures, West appeared as Leticia Van Allen in Myra Breckenridge in 1970 with Raquel Welsh. Damn. Have you seen the TikTok with Raquel Roche? No. Oh my God. I have I to show so, you. Yeah. So there's this TikTok that is circulating about Raquel's, you know, mention of appearing on this film with Mae West. Amazing. 
and how she thought that May was a man in drag. Oh, my gosh. Raquel. <laughs> well, she had these hands and obviously she was wearing a wig and I really thought she was a man, you know, in drag. But it was it was May. I'm like, Raquel. Oh, my God. Girl. Jesus Christ. Get it together. I know. And in the in this film, like she looks gorgeous, and yeah, May yeah. actually looks beautiful, yeah. gorgeous. Like she kind of steals some somewhat of the show. Hilarious, yeah. But um, I have to show you that yeah, TikTok yeah. afterward. But I'm like, that was a little, that's, that's a little sus. Well, maybe that's know? why. Is like if she was feeling like threatened, right? Like cut her down. But then she says that uh, something happened to her costume. <laughs> and it was most likely possible that May had something to do with it because May had a request that she was the only one that was supposed to be wearing white in this film. If you notice in this film, she wears this beautiful white, you know, dress, mm. of course, plunging neckline. Sure, sure, sure. And um, Raquel laments that, you know, she had this costume rendered and constructed for her and then it just disappeared. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh that's terrible. I'm so sad. Oh. Sorry, Raquel. <laughs> so later on in the 70s, she becomes a writer. She writes a book called Sex, Health and ESP. Mm. And then another one called Pleasure Man. Mm. In August of 1980, Wes tripped while getting out of bed. Mm. After the fall, she was unable to speak and was taken to the Good Samaritan Hospital in mm. Los Angeles, where tests revealed that she had suffered a stroke. Mm. And she died three months later on November 22nd at the age of 87. Damn. But three days after her death, a private service was held in Forest Lawn Memorial Park. Mm -hmm. Her friend Bishop Andre Panaccio officiated in the family mausoleum mm. at Cypress Hills Cemetery in Brooklyn. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, she led a pretty yeah. long and lengthy life. Like, she was still relevant. Totally. And still trying to keep up with her appearance. Like, sure. she, every time she went out, she looked good. Yeah. She had her teeth. She had her wig. She had her dress. What more do you need? Exactly. <laughs> so that was a thing, too, like, closer to her death. Like, she mm. lost a, a great deal of her hair. Yeah. Um, her teeth. I remember um, when I went to the Dearly Departed Museum oh, that yeah. Scott Michaels owned, Hi. he owned, I think, a set of her teeth. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of her wigs. Damn. But um, but yeah, it's it's she led a very, very fulfilling life. Yeah. And, and again, she's like she's the she's the mold. She is. She's iconic. And she was truly a yeah. trailblazer. Yeah. Especially being a woman in the industry from the 30s, 40s and on. More props to her. Yeah. So, OK, let's talk about the Mae West ghost. Let's talk about it. <laughs> OK. So allegedly Mae West, it is rumored that she haunts the Ravenswood Apartments that are located off of 570 North Rossmore Avenue in Hancock Park. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, so there was a little article that came out in the Los Angeles Magazine in October of 1998. I'm Still No Angel by <laughs> Laura Myers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in this article, according to Laura, from her arrival onto Hollywood, into the Hollywood scene in 1932 until her death in 1980, Mae West parked her white fox and sashing hips in unit 611 of the Ravenswood apartments. Huh. 
So she got herself a little penthouse, despite the fact that she owned a ton of property. Yeah. So that is what another thing that she was so smart in doing was real estate. Sure. She had that real estate this money. This is the city for it, too. Exactly. Jesus. So she had owned property in Santa Monica and in Van Nuys. Damn. And the audacious, bodacious actress refused to give up her two-bedroom flat in the Art Deco landmark building constructed mm. in 1928 of the Ravenswood apartment. Damn. And according to a quote that May West had referred to her home, it's my home, she told friends, as long as the building stands, I will never leave. Wow. And it seemed like after her death, she never left. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Damn. Oh, yeah. So other famous tenants connected to this address through the years include Ava Gardner, um, Judy Garland, mm. Hedda Hopper, and so much more. But Mae West apparently believed that she was also a psychic. So she dabbled in psychical things. Okay. It was even rumor that she may have had a couple of psychic socials in her flat hmm. mm -hmm. she could have had a psychic hotline at one point oh my god could you <laughs> imagine you, i know are the spirits here in the room with us wow oh wow <laughs> <laughs> that is a pistol in yeah. your oh. spiritual pocket i guess um so according to a gentleman by the name of david north who was an occupant of West's apartment. I'm not so sure if he's still living there, mm. but he moves into West's Damn. old apartment in 611. He lives there for 11 years, I believe. Mm. And he was offered unit 611 two years ago by the building's new owner back in the early nineties. Mm. Um, he moves in and he fills the place with bird's eye, maple deco furnishings. Soon he discovered that Weird things are happening in the apartment hmm. after he moves in, after he settles in. So the first thing that he notices is his TV. So he has a TV that he puts in the bedroom with him and it's not working. So he's like, that's weird. It worked fine in my mm. last place. So he plugs it in different outlets in the room. He's like, it's still not working. So he plugs it into the living room. It works. Hmm. He tries another outlet outside of the bedroom. Still works. But anytime he plugs his TV in the bedroom, it just would not That's so turn weird. on. It was the weirdest thing. So he kind of panicked. Well, maybe it's electrical. Mm -hmm. But then he'll soon get the signs like, no, the TV is not welcome mm -hmm. in this room. Another thing that would happen is the phone. So back when we had phones hooked up on the walls, sure. we had house phones. Um, the phone would start to ring at different hours of the day. He'll pick up the receiver mm -hmm. and there's no caller on the other line. The one evening, though, him and some friends were returning from a night at a comedy club and North had a neighbor snap a group photo in the apartment. And oh, when God. the film was developed, because like I said, back in the day, sure, this sure. is not the time period of like, you know, digital cameras sure. and phones. The Kodak photo hut, He yes. captures like something in the mirror of North's apartment Oof. and it looks like it's an apparition, but this apparition looks a little different. It's very bosomy. Yeah. <laughs> So they believe that this apparition could be Mae West. They could tell it's a woman, sure. it's a figure of a woman, but they can't make out the mm. face. And he doesn't doubt that this is Mae West's ghost. It, so North is like, oh, I'm thinking like, well, this is happening for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I think these little things that are happening in this apartment are happening to mm -hmm. me because it's West telling me that she wants things done a certain way in this sure. place and to let me know that she's still here. So clues began to fall into place. Old acquaintances of West's are starting to bump into North on the street corners. Hmm. 
So um, according to David North, a psychic told him, you stay there, but it's not your home. The television, it turned out, worked everywhere but West's bedroom, which is the actress's personal domain. Yeah. And she felt that that was reserved mainly for reading hmm. and for sleeping and, mm. you know, to do her business. You know what I mean? Prayer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, look, someone's on their knees. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so all this is being delivered to David through the psychic. Crazy. And it's crazy that she knows all this stuff. Yeah. Like she's like, hey, this is what's happening. She wants you to know that she's there hmm. and there's some roles. Yeah. So this is why the TV's not working is because she doesn't want it in there. Wow. This was her safe place. This was her sacred place. This was her quiet space yeah. for several things, including Bound Chicka Bound Whale, of course. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the chandelier in the foyer would also flash when someone West didn't like would be present. Oh, damn. Yes. So North had to have that removed. (laughs) Sorry. She doesn't like you. Just kidding. No, he didn't have that removed. Just kidding. He actually ends up removing a lot of the doors in the apartment because they would always slam. They would open and slam when Wes was like in one of her fits. Sure. But it turned out that um, North even met West herself, sort of. So at dusk one evening in July of 1996, A form North describes as a computer-generated slow-motion miniature tornado rose from an electrical (sighs) outlet. According to Um, North, I know, uh uh according to North, I sat down and watched it for 45 minutes, and then it disappeared. And now that North is sure, he shares his living space. He tries to make the sex goddess feel right at home. He is convinced the telephone company to let um, him use West's old private number and acquired oh, wow. and re- reinstalled some of her Louis XVIII style white and gold bedroom suite, wow. including a dressing table and bench. I leave a glass of water out for her, North says, and I use her favorite perfume as an air freshener. Huh. Yeah. It's a nice way to like. Exactly. Me stay here. I know. So it's it's really interesting that you know this was his experience living in the Ravenswoods totally. uh, penthouse yeah. of six eleven, which was the former domain of Mae West. But she truly loved this apartment. Yeah, clearly. Like even though she could have lived anywhere in California, anywhere yeah. in Los Angeles, I mean, she had property by a beach. Yeah. She chose to live there, and it's a really cute area. Have yeah. you ever been past the Ravenswood? Uh, it does sound very familiar. I do this thing where I'm like, I don't know. And then I like see the place. I, I can just look it up right now. <laughs> uh, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. Uh, let me just look it up really quick. Yeah. So it's like in Hancock Park, it's close to Wilshire Boulevard. And it's like a row of these really old apartment, like art deco buildings. Mm-hmm. And they all have like a unique name, like Ravenswood. Masters in Arm or something like that. The Knights Wood or something. Oh, yeah. I have driven by this so many times. Right. Yeah. I used to drive. I used to drive past it several times when I would like take a shortcut to downtown from when I was living in West Hollywood. And I don't know if this is like a uniquely L.A. thing, but they they, so many of the places still have those signs with like the old, like almost medieval looking lettering. That's like Ravenswood or like. Mm -hmm. Like, they have the name, like, the Lido, the Linwood. Like, they have those old-timey signs still on the roof of these old apartments. I've never been inside or anything like that, but... Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it definitely looks like a, a slice from the past. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so we go into Montgomery Cliff. Mm. Oh my gosh. If you guys haven't heard our Misfits episode, yes. highly recommend that you do. We go really in depth in a lot of uh, the characters, or no, sorry, the actor's mm. life. We go into the characters of Marilyn Monroe, Montgomery Clift, and Clark Gable. Yeah, it's also a very good movie. It's so it is very stylized, it's very, stylized, it's very of the era, but very it's so long. sad. Yeah, it's so long. I mean, it's so long. But also just knowing that it's like the last film for almost all of the, all three of them. It's so How haunting. It really is, and I love horses. <laughs> <laughs> Montgomery Clift. All right, so here's some Cliff notes on cliff yeah all right he was born edward montgomery clift on october 17th of 1920 in omaha nebraska and he was the son of ethel fogg and william brooks clift a successful wall street stockbroker adopted at the age of one and after moving to florida 13 year old monty tried his hand at acting so he was a theater geek he was a As theater you do, kid yes. and he spent a lot of time at a local theater company Impressed by his commitment to his work and natural ability as a performer, his mom, Ethel, encouraged him to pursue this craft. Clift reached the peak of his Hollywood career with George Stevens, A Place in the Sun in 1951, and Zinman's From Here to Eternity in 1953, both of which earned him Academy Award nominations. So he was considered to be one of the earliest method actors of our time. I mean, you know how I feel about method acting. I know. So he's very cute. So he gets a little bit of the past, but <laughs> those ugh, eyes, method acting, that hair, ugh. of course. Now, during the filming of Raintree County, mm. 1957, Cliff suffered a near fatal automobile accident on his way home from a party at the home of his friend and co-star Elizabeth Taylor, mm. and the accident permanently damaged his looks and health. And his fortunes were further eroded by his abuse of drugs and alcohol. He continued to make films, but played more disturbing, less heroic characters, often being cast as a victim of circumstances Mm. or as in John Huston's The Misfits, 1961, and his role that seemed to reveal his personal pain and Mm. insecurities. It was like the film that embodied everyone's pain. Yeah. Like Marilyn Monroe. Montgomery Clift and Clark Gable. Now, on July 23rd of 1966, his body was discovered lying on cloth atop his bed with his reading glasses on, and an autopsy report would later find that he had died of a heart attack. And Mm. while it was likely that his longtime substance Mm -hmm. abuse greatly contributed to his poor health and eventual demise... Many who knew him also felt that the often contradictory and unforgiving demands of his, of his career mm. were also largely to sure. blame. Considering that he too was a closeted gay man, mm. a closeted gay actor in Hollywood, which was heavily looked down upon yeah. and also, you know, supposed to be kept very hush hush. Yeah, especially back then. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Hollywoodland? Uh, it's been a very long time. There's a scene where the, it's one of the detectives going to talk to a movie exec and mm. on the table is like pictures of this actor who is having a rendezvous with another male actor. <laughs> and then he tells his assistant, you know, talk to so and so, have him go out with one of our, you know, really good looking mm. actresses. They're going for a milkshake date. It's serious. Mm-hmm they're together yeah to, to kind of clear it up yeah which is like that's how they handled it 
And I feel yeah. like it's kind of like that in some ways here. I think very little has changed. Very little. In some ways. In some ways it is much better. We still have a long way to go. Uh, I mean, even as recently as like Rupert. Uh, I always do this. I'm going to say the one from Harry Potter. And I don't mean that one. I mean the one from my best friend's wedding. Rupert Everett, I think. Mm-hmm. He like really talked about how his career suffered after he came out, and that was in the late nineties. Now you can argue that like he also had like some pretty aggressive plastic surgery, and you know if your face isn't expressive, it's much harder to be an actor. Oh yeah. Uh, But it still exists today. Uh, There are PR relationships all over the media, like. Taylor Swift doesn't date that many people. Like, the people that she's dating are not who she's dating. Like, she's just such a good example because, like, she's, like, kind of the go-to person Mm -hmm. to get, like, oh, we'll have, like, this actor date her for a little while. And it's like, yeah, sorry, that's actually probably not real. Mm -hmm. No one is, like, trying to get photographed. When they are actually, when these people who are like this famous, when they are actually dating people, you never see them. You never know. That's just the way it is. When it's super in your face, when it's like constantly being photographed, constantly being talked about. Look, I don't want to like point fingers or like out (laughs) anybody, of course. Like I'm not trying to say anything along those lines. But like when you look at these relationships and like in the back of your mind, you think like, huh, why is Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner dating? That just seems weird. Like, that doesn't really make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's because it, that, yeah. Like, yeah. again, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to say anything other than not that much has changed. Right. Realistically. No, I remember when we were working at the Academy, no. um, my assistant was really her best friend, mm-hmm. um, is an actor of a very famous show on Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't give too much away. Sure, yeah. It's a horror show. Very <laughs> popular. Um, but he was, I will never forget when he would hang out, he would talk about these auditions mm-hmm. and he finally got the part for the show. Mm-hmm. It was a huge part. Mm-hmm. And um, then he started going to these big Hollywood parties and he started mingling and then he had stories and yep. he's like, yeah, you would never believe so-and-so mm-hmm. is actually, you know, this in, in is a Hollywood closeted gay man. Yeah. And like, look, it's that thing where, yes, is the industry further in terms of inclusivity than we've ever been? Yes. I truly do believe that. Mm-hmm. Is it actually inclusive? Deeply not. Like, let's just call <laughs> a spade a spade. Right. No. Hollywood is very interested in middle America because that's where the money is. Oh, and absolutely. Politically, the coasts are can pretend that they're very liberal. Like George Clooney can give all the Oscar speeches about how Hollywood has been more progressive Mm -hmm. that he wants. But the truth of the matter is, is that they are selling to middle America and that, and really now in a foreign market, they're selling to China, which is even stricter. So if you really want to like get down to the nitty gritty of like how diverse is Hollywood, it's not because they care about China and Mm -hmm. China has very strict censor. Like your movie gets censored and you're out billions of dollars so like i want to believe yeah in an american market are we seeing more diversity than we've ever seen yeah the people that are like a-list celebrities it's not a mistake that most of them are heteronormative cis white or white passing people Mm -hmm. 
I'm not trying to point fingers again. Like I, <laughs> I hear it as it's coming out of my mouth, but like when you really get down to it, not that much has actually changed. It's true. And it's sad. And then these and things Hollywood. come out. Yeah. And then it comes out. And it's like, Oh, it's the secret that everyone knew about. Like, right. right. How does that yeah. keep happening? <laughs> it's a, it's a play on repeat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, according to this story, there is one gentleman by the name of Craig Chester, mm-hmm. who is an openly gay actor, Love writer, it. producer, and director. And on the Moths podcast that was released on April 26th of 2010, Chester actually recounts his encounter with an Academy Award nominated actor who apparently had been haunting him, hmm. Montgomery Clift. Mm-hmm. And um, Chester goes on to explain the story of how two separate psychics, one a professional psychic Mm -hmm. and the other one a longtime psychic who does not charge anything. He Mm -hmm. just knew the psychic through a friend, actually met the psychic at a dinner party, approached him to tell him about a spirit that insists on reaching him. And they both explain on two separate accounts Chester even verifies that they did not know each other, nor were in any way connected, these two. That Montgomery Clift uh, wants Chester to write a screenplay about his life, and that he's been trying to get a hold of him and trying to make communication, throwing all these signs, trying to get his attention. And And Chester's like... Oh, that's why that was happening. Crazy. Oh, that's why that was happening. Oh, this this weird thing's been going out, going around in my apartment, and I'm just passing it right. as like pipes, or it's an old building. Right. So, Chester is kind of like, you know, going back and forth with the psychic, um, and the psychic's telling him that the spirit of Montgomery Cliff goes on to explain that he wants him to do this because he has the chance to live the life that he was never able to live. Mm. And Chester is, you know, like I said, he's openly gay. He directed and wrote the film Adam and Steve. Mm-hmm. And then he also... I'm familiar. familiar. Yes, go on. And he's also... There's a line from that. This is so stupid. There's <laughs> a line from that movie that is like a core memory for me. Uh-huh. And I'm like a little closeted gay in Ohio and the one character like runs into the hospital and his dog is like sick. Uh-huh. And they're like, sir, this isn't a, like this isn't a veterinarian clinic. Like you can't be in here. And he just screams, I'm a gay man in New York. This is my baby. And I think about that <laughs> all the time. And you're a gay man in Los Angeles my, with would, a fur baby. Oh, I would one I'll burn Kaiser to the ground for my dog. A hundred percent. Like Spin. fix my dog now. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Sir, you need to check in. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. He's on my PPO plan. Yeah. <laughs> if only Mia could be on my insurance, if damn only, it. <laughs> so yeah, like he he has written also for like True Blood. I mean, he's Amazing. a big writer. Yeah, yeah. Clift is like trying to make communication with Chester, and um, through this time, Chester is documenting all of this as this is happening, the communication that he's receiving from the psychic mm. and also all the signs that are pretty much appearing to him that he is destined to do this screenplay Crazy. for Clift. He also goes on to state that the spirit of Clift explains to him that he was closeted, wasn't able to live this fulfilled life as a gay man in Hollywood. Mm. And it really drove him into a really dark place in yeah. his life. The spirit of Cliff reaches out to Chester on another occasion and explains through one of the psychics 
that he must go to his former home, which has been preserved since Cliff's death. And this is his house in New York. And he instructs Chester to spend the night in that house. So this is where Chester finally makes the connection to himself and Cliff while soaking in the same bathtub that Cliff soaked in the night that he died. Yes. As we just talked about, Cliff died at the tender age of 45. And here is Craig Chester close to his age, around that same age that Cliff was in this apartment that was formerly owned by Cliff. And here he is making this connection with his spirit. So Chester truly feels that Monty was really reaching out to him during this time because he was leading the life that Montgomery always wanted to lead when he was living. Mm. Plus, they had both gone through a very dismal and traumatizing journey. You see, Craig explains in his interview that as a child, he suffered from long face syndrome, Mm. LFS, which is also referred to as skeletal open bite and it's a relatively common condition characterized by excessive vertical facial development it's also called the gum smile Hmm. i don't know if you've seen tiktoks there's a trend of these young kids these teenagers because that's what it truly affects Hmm. of this transition this journey that they're going through with their jaw and um they go through this pretty intense jaw surgery and you see them post certain like they're documenting this journey and you see them like they're calling it the chipmunk phase like they're so swollen they're having to pretty much drink their breakfast lunch and dinner but the outcome is pretty astonishing like Mm. you see this change in their face it's a pretty grueling process and that is what chester had gone through at a very young age and of course what Montgomery had went through when he had that horrific accident because there was immediate need for him to work. He needed to go through a series of surgeries that the executives were, you know, mm-hmm. telling him you need to do this. You have to go and, you know, get the surgery done. You need to fix your face. Wow. We need to get you back, you know, into acting. All that was occurring, which could have led to his downfall with the drugs and the alcohol, sure. of course. There were those parallels that, you know, Craig connected to on his own. Craig goes ahead. He finishes the screenplay for Cliff and out of nowhere, Montgomery disappears. So all communication ceases. Wow. It's that whole thing of like the epitome of being ghosted. Craig immediately gets a call from one of the psychics and the psychic tells him he's gone. Hmm. And he's like, yep. And for her to know that. I wonder if he had like, if it was like that, that was the closure he needed to move on. Mm hmm. If I someone think has so. told my story and now I can like go. I can move on. Crazy. And what Craig describes this departure, it was just like he was in mourning. Mm. He had been in mourning for many, many weeks. He was mourning the loss of a loved one. That's what he felt. Yeah. He just up and just disappeared. Like his apartment felt empty. Mm. Before it felt like he was sharing his sure. imp- apartment with this spectral friend of his. Yeah. And out of nowhere, it was like he felt it, like something mm. was not right. He was gone. And for the psychic to put two in, like, yeah. he, to not even know, like, to not be there to make that justification, Ugh. like, she knew and had that validation with yeah, him. That's yeah. Crazy. So Chester goes on to say, like, this is my ghost story. This was my journey with yeah. this ghost. He goes on and documents the story on the Moth podcast. Yeah. Um, he was interviewed by KCRW. Mm-hmm. 
and he's been interviewed on many podcasts. But his story doesn't end there. It seems like it, it captured the ears of HBO and they're looking to creating a film um, and documenting his experience and or could possibly be documenting documenting the life of Montgomery Clift. Wow. And the light Crazy. just flickered. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it does do that when our air turns on, but who knows? Because to your point, though, I we live in a fairly older house. Yeah. Anything that's like that, I'm always like, oh, it's just an old house. It's so right. easy to. It's an old house. Yeah, it, it always old happens. Pipes. But yeah. I don't know if you remember from our listener's tale, we had our listener Jake I'm... that felt like he was being guided by the ghost of Montgomery Cliff. Oh, him, yeah. Himself, right? I do remember this. Yeah, he too like felt like he had almost the same parallel life as Montgomery. You know, he's an actor too. He's a writer. He um, lived in New York and in LA and he ended up owning books that belonged to Montgomery yeah, Cliff. Yeah. The pictures. And yeah. Crazy. And we had those pictures, which is really, really interesting. He's just a patron saint for all these, you know, newbie gay guys coming in sure. to the industry. Like you can do it. You could lead the life that I could never live yeah. in Hollywood back in the day. You could live this life. You could be a writer. You could be open yeah. with your sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is really, really sweet. Yeah. It is also claimed to many of you guys are probably screaming over, you know, <laughs> the airwaves like, sure, sure, sure. hey, talk about the Roosevelt Hotel. So it is a possibility that one of the alleged ghosts who haunt the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood, California, is that of Montgomery Clift. Mm -hmm. And it's said that he haunts room 928. And in room 928, one spine tingling experience was recounted by a guest who was tucked in bed reading while her husband snoozed beside her and out of nowhere she felt a gentle pat on her shoulder assuming it was her better half she turned to chat with him only to find him fast asleep and apparently even the resident ghosts enjoy a good bedtime story like sure. that right um stories have also circulated of guests hearing what sounds like someone playing a trumpet or a trombone which is what monty did while staying in room 928 back in the day when he was preparing for a role where he had to play that instrument mm. so could it be the ghost of montgomery cliff could it be a residual energy who knows but renowned psychic peter james once spent the night in room 928 and i think this is where the story was mm. birthed was because of peter james where he said he he it's alleged that he witnessed um cliff's ghost chilling in a chair in the corner of the room he observed the ghost for several minutes as it enjoyed some leisurely afterlife lounging before it vanished into thin air damn after peter james spent the night in that room is when the ghost story of montgomery cliff's ghost haunting room 928 was born interesting Yes. So remember in the last episode, we always talked about like, let's look into the time period of when these ghost stories were created. Sure. The Marilyn Monroe ghost of the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood actually was birthed. It didn't become popular until like what the early to mid 90s. Right. And then it just blew up from there. So it's really interesting to hear these accounts and people have gone into the room. They have done their investigations. They have spent the night and they've captured some pretty interesting phenomenon. So yeah. who knows? Maybe it's us triggering the environment or the environment yeah. triggering us. Look, and if I was like a neighboring room of someone who's learning to play the trombone, you can believe that there would be some residual energy. <laughs> 
from the <laughs> my anger right? towards them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you know. Think about it. It mm-hmm. has to be. Really There's something there. It's me. Yes. <laughs> Are they playing that fucking trombone again? God damn it. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine like trying to play a trombone right now or a trumpet no. in a hotel? Yeah. We have a neighbor this way, two houses down, <laughs> who's like across a street, and they're a good trumpet player. And like every once in a while, I'm like, am I hearing a trumpet right now? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this neighborhood is the loudest fucking neighborhood. <laughs> Damn it. No, this is a loud area. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of artists. It's a lot of people lot trying of to create. Yeah, creating family. It's like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was our episode so of cute. being haunted by a Hollywood ghost. We love to see it. Yes, the ghosts of May West and Montgomery Clift. Look, if Montgomery Clift wants to haunt my house, he can. <laughs> and frankly, May West can too. Actually, either one of them right? are welcome. Okay, out of the two, who would you want to be haunted by? I'm very single. Right now, so <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Look, look, never say look, never, kids. Never... <laughs> it's what it's what May would have wanted. I know. I would definitely want to be haunted by the ghost of May West. The only reason I would say, look, aside from being <laughs> single and finding Montgomery Cliff very attractive, uh, I would not want to be haunted by May West because I am not fancy enough for her. <laughs> There's just no world where she would be like okay with my little like valley lifestyle she yeah be like what the fuck is this kid doing i don't know i have a nice room but don't I, come up here and see me <laughs> even like when you're saying he's like oh like putting in some of the like white and gold i was like no I, mm, no no yeah although i don't have a tv in my room so there you go oh oh yeah maybe that's nice i just have uh books yeah i like reading I try not to do screens in bed if I can help it. Yeah, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to limit my screen time. Yeah. But Charlie loves to be on his phone, too. He wants to have a TV in every room. No. He was like even thinking about putting a little TV in the kitchen. I'm like, no, I just... A like, little TV a little... in the kitchen is such a vibe, yeah. It, it is a vibe. I would love it just to have it there, you know, like just for display. Like, yeah, we're that cool, but I no, yeah. I need a quiet space. Yeah, that's He's fair. even thinking about putting one in like the garage. I'm like, where? Where? Yeah, we just have the we just have the one TV, but like your phone, you you know. Yeah, I try. I do try not to do screens in bed if I can help. I think yeah. And see, that's why it would be great to be haunted by the ghost of me, West. Like, get off your phone, kid. Yeah. You know, kind of get off the phone. Yeah, but then I'd get off and she'd be like, and your room's trash. Like, <laughs> I know. I know, Miss West. I'm so sorry. I'll never have a beautiful fur boa. I'm so sorry. We'll be making that post. We'll, we'll make a post like, who would you be haunted by? Yeah. Who would you love to be haunted by, Mae West or Montgomery Cliff? Yeah, any, I mean, any of those, like old Hollywood actors can seriously any time so look out for that post we'll put it on Instagram <laughs> let us know who would you love to be haunted yes. by Mae West or Montgomery Clift yeah. let us know in the comments and guys that was our episode yes, once again you. we'll be a broken record come and see yes, us on May so 20th soon. oh please come and see us yes it's like literally like I can't what, even think about it. The fact that it's weeks? already May is so rude. I know. It's so rude. Like the fuck is this year going? I just realized I like I have to like start packing for this trip too. I'm like crap. I I felt like I still had another month. No, nope. I have like a week. Nope. I know. It's so crazy. <laughs> so May 20th, Heritage Square, Macaw Mansions, Haunted History with Ellie Meekly, Ellie Not So Confidential, and us Hollywood Paranormal at the Heritage Square Museum. Tickets are on sale. They're $30 a pop. You can find them on Eventbrite. Just 
type in the search bar mm-hmm. macabre mansions and haunted history you can also go on our instagram mm-hmm. we have a post on where you can find it where you can get more information about it and we'll definitely love to see you there in person yes. mm-hmm. thank you for visiting us at parapod festival yeah. in santa clarita there so was a cool. couple of new faces that we met people who are just tuning into our podcast yeah, so have been sweet. listening to our podcast and just discovered our podcast there yeah. which was really really nice yeah, yeah. Mm. be sure to be following us on our socials yes. at hollywood paranormal on facebook instagram and tiktok and hwp podcast on twitter and if you love to donate to the show you can head on over to our patreon page mm. which is www.patreon.com forward slash Hollywood Paranormal, and for as little as $1 per month or however many months you want to donate, you'll be supporting the podcast. You'll also be gifted in pin stickers, magnets, and coasters. Please forward us your address after you make that donation mm-hmm. so we can gift you these things. We have yeah. them. We want to yes. spell you, so please let us do that, yes. of course. And um, please, 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 if you have any ghost stories, we are Ooh, trying yes. to coordinate another listener's you know, tale. I love a listener's tale. I know we have a couple of them. We want more yes. to fulfill this episode. So please forward us any ghost stories you loved for us to share on the podcast for our upcoming listener's tale episode. We love those things. Yes. We love those favorite. stories. Even when I'm scared, they're still my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So brave. All right, guys, take care. Take care of yourselves, mm-hmm. take care of each other, and most of all, stay holly weird. Yes. And stay cool. It's like really, it's really getting, getting up hot. there, I know. It's getting hot. I was sweating buckets this morning. <laughs> <sighs> I thought I saw the devil around the corner. You probably did. I probably it's did. The end times, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Bryce, do you have anything else you want to say? Bye. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye.